Hey bubs, welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked, the best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is tell you about Wolverine. I am your host Ryan, today's episode will kick off our Senior Citizen Wolverine theme for November as we cover the 2003-2004 to miniseries called Wolverine The End. So in the early 2000s, Marvel began a crusade, if you will, to provide backstories to some of its more mysterious characters. In the X-Men universe, we saw the miniseries Origin, which finally told the origin story for Wolverine, everyone's favorite Claude Knucklehead. But we also saw origins for characters like Rogue and a few others. And as the ideas for these mysterious origins began to wane, a new idea began to take shape at Marvel Comics, and that was to do a couple various miniseries that were called The End. And these miniseries were the theoretical ending to all of the various Marvel heroes. Wolverine had one called Wolverine The End, which chronicled Wolverine's last adventure. We also had like a three-part series called X-Men The End, and I believe there was a Fantastic Four The End, and an Avengers The End, and an Incredible Hulk The End. There were all kinds of these series running around that were canon, but not quite canon. They were canonically non-canonical, or non-canonically canonical. Pretty much what Marvel did is said, hey, what we're going to do is take some of our weird headcanon and make that just that headcanon. So Wolverine the End, though it's not necessarily the canonical final story of Wolverine, it is Marvel's own canonical headcanon. Are you confused yet? I am. The point is, this story, though it is the final Wolverine story, isn't actually considered canonically the final Wolverine story. No one knows what that story is. We might not ever even see it happen. But at this point, this was just a fun little way to show all of our heroes at the twilight of their lives. Some of them had happy endings, others not so happy. And Wolverine The End was written by Paul Jenkins, who was also the writer of the aforementioned miniseries Origin. And in many ways, Wolverine The End was the pseudo-sequel or spiritual successor to Origin. A lot of the questions that had been brought up in Origin that were not being answered in the pages of Wolverine Comics in 2003 or 2004 were not answered, but at least acknowledged in the pages of Wolverine The End. So, without further ado, the story begins in a future time, a time that's not necessarily specified, but at this point we can assume It's maybe about a hundred years or so in the future. So when this takes place in 2003, 2004, then we can imagine that the story itself is set in, you know, the year 2100, give or take. So it starts off with a quote from George Orwell, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others, taken from the classic animal farm. And I'm not really sure how it applies to Wolverine, but I guess we'll find out as we continue to read through this series. So it starts off with an old man loading up a truck of various boxes at the local gas station, which we're assuming is in Canada because the entire landscape is covered in snow, but you can see how futuristic it is based on what the gas station thing kind of looks like. It's not actually a gas station. It looks more like it's some sort of weird fill-up, perhaps with gas, perhaps with some other form of fuel, Uh, but it doesn't appear to be your typical gas station. Now, the artwork in this series is interesting. It is from an artist who I had actually never heard of up until this series, and I don't recall having heard of since this series. I'm assuming it's an Italian artist, 
named Claudio Castellini. We have colors from Paul Mounts, letters from Dave Sharp, and of course, the covers themselves also from Claudio Castellini. So as this old man is loading up his truck with various odds and ends, boxes of goods and whatnot, a couple of the locals are kind of giving him a hard time saying things like, hey, George, where are you headed? Hey, George, don't strain yourself with those boxes. Just that sort of thing. Local riffraff kind of deal here, just giving the old man a hard time. And then he mentions that he's got things to do. He's got to deliver these packages up to the old man up off around the river bend. And these young guys here say, oh, that guy, yeah, I heard he's a mutant and all this sort of thing. And so as George fires up his truck and begins to head off, one of the guys asks him, hey, how long you been delivering to that old nut at River Bend anyway? And George casually remarks, since I was 11, which is pretty odd considering George himself is a man of very advanced age. He's bald. He's got wrinkles. He's out of shape. He drives an old beat-up truck. Just your typical old grocery store, gas station owning old man. So as he takes off from the gas station, the scene changes and we're taken into the woods. We see a deer grazing, eating what grass is strong enough to peek itself through the snow. And we see that the deer is being hunted. Hunted by a man who looks like Wolverine. Only instead of being covered in his typical black hair, all of his hair from the top of his head all the way down, well, he's not, he's shirtless here so we can see his chest hair and his arm hair is also white, denoting that Wolverine is now an old man. And considering Wolverine at this point in comics was already about 100 years old and only looked like he was 30, we can only imagine how old Wolverine is here when he actually physically looks like an old man. Like I said, it takes place about 100 years or so in the future, so it puts Wolverine at about 200, 215 years old, give or take. Uh, so we can assume that eventually, as his healing factor slows, perhaps his age catches up to him a bit. Uh, but at this point, he's still alive, he's still kicking, he's still hunting, just like he does in the Origin miniseries, and that's what this little sequence here kind of reminds me of. Only in this case, he doesn't catch the deer. As he's stalking the deer, he clumsily steps on a branch. The branch cracks. It alerts the deer to his presence. The deer runs away. Wolverine gives chase. And in his advanced age, he's lost a couple of steps. And he's not able to catch the deer. We also see Wolverine struggling. He's out of breath. He's winded. He has a hard time recovering from that little speed sprint there and he's also having a hard time getting his claws to go back in kind of like how we saw in the movie logan where wolverine had a hard time extending his claws all the way in this case uh, this wolverine is having a hard time pulling his claws back in so much to the point where he actually has to push them against a rock in order to push them back into his body and at this point we see that wolverine is possibly crazy as it appears that he's talking to himself. Now, his normal word balloons are solid circles, solid ovals, that sort of thing. Uh, but this weird voice, I'm assuming it's more whispered or perhaps heard, but not seen. The size of the letters are smaller. It's a smaller size font. Uh, it's a little bit more italic. And the lines around the word bubble themselves. They're not the regular sharp lines of a line being spoken matter-of-factly, but rather it's, I don't know, discorporal, if you will. So Wolverine is walking back to his property, carrying on this conversation. Pretty much this voice is telling him that he's old and he's going to suffer and all this stuff. And Wolverine is just like, you know what? I don't care. I'm living my life and that's that. So when Wolverine gets back to his tiny little shack, he finds George there waiting. George delivers to him not only his goods and whatnot, but also a letter addressed to Wolverine. 
Now we get the point here where George lets Wolverine know that he's been delivering packages to him for 50 years. So we can assume at this point George is about 61 and Wolverine looks even older than George. Like I said, George is balding. He's a little out of shape, but he still looks youthful when compared to how this Wolverine here is drawn. Although I do have to point out that as old as this Wolverine looks, he's still very ripped. So he gives Wolverine the letter. Wolverine tears it open and reads it a couple of times to himself. And then George asks the question that we, the reader, are wondering, which is, what does it say? To which Wolverine replies, someone I know died. And here the tone of the series shifts. Like, this is the moment. Like, everything that up, up to this point was, you know, the fun intro where the credits are still rolling and introducing all the members of the cast sort of thing so it's not terribly dark and as soon as Wolverine opens that letter and reveals to the reader that someone he knows has died tonally for the next five and a half issues the series is fairly dark it takes place at night there's lots of rain there's lots of pain and suffering and aching and it begins with this scene it is the funeral for someone who Wolverine knows someone by the name of Victor Creed, also known as Sabretooth, Wolverine's greatest nemesis. And we see here at this funeral a young man, you know, with the same size and facial hair and all that of Sabretooth kind of sitting in front and center. And he's got his arm around a woman who is holding an umbrella. She's just bowing her head, covering her face as she sobs. There's another man sitting next to her. And we get the feeling that this is Victor Creed's family. So at this point in continuity, Victor Creed has at least settled down and started a family and has a family that cares about him and is grieving at his loss. So that in and of itself is quite a big change from anything that we would expect. We see among the mourners here at this funeral, someone that appears to be Blob, another one that looks to be Mystique, and perhaps Toad? Not quite sure about that one. He looks kind of purple and has pointy ears, so who knows? Maybe it's Zebediah Kilgrave. Uh, but I don't recall them really being friends, uh, but who knows? I could be wrong. And Wolverine doesn't join the throng of mourners here that are grieving for the loss of Sabretooth. Rather, he holds back and watches the funeral from afar under a tree. Again, also calling back to the movie Logan. So Logan and George are there watching the funeral. We get to hear the priest give his eulogy about Victor and how later in his life he saw the error of his ways and he repented, if you will, and began to serve the community and tried to change. And even Wolverine himself closes his eyes and bows his head and rolls a tear. Even Wolverine knows how much of a changed man Sabretooth was. And as the funeral comes to an end, as the mourners leave, George turns to Wolverine and asks, was this guy a friend of yours? And Wolverine just says, no, he was an animal. He hurt a lot of people. And he says the only reason why he found God, why he turned his life around is because he was getting old and he was afraid of dying. Wolverine kind of goes on to say that, you know, he's also kind of been feeling that a little bit as well. He's also realized that that he's slowing down, and he's realizing that in his life, he's also hurt a lot of people. But in the end, none of it's going to matter anyway. And as Wolverine's there at the side of the grave with George, paying his final respects to the man who was his enemy, a woman arrives and says, Mr. Logan? She identifies herself as Emily Rand, attorney for Mr. Creed's estate. And she said, before Mr. Creed died, he would speak of you often. And he left instructions to be carried out upon his death. He left you this letter. So she gives Wolverine the letter. He sniffs it, gives it a quizzical kind of look, and opens the letter. We don't see what the letter says. He doesn't reveal what is in that letter to George. The next page, we are taken into the Canadian mountains. We see George's old truck driving up a mountain road. They arrive at a gate that's closed, and it appears to be the gate at the border of a rundown sort of estate. There's a road that has not been maintained. There's debris, fallen trees dead branches, that sort of thing. And as they're pulling up to this house, this 
this gate, Wolverine starts having flashbacks of Weapon X, which I always love. I always love any time they, they drop back to uh, Barry Windsor Smith's seminal Weapon X storyline. So Wolverine having these nightmares is awakened in the front seat of George's truck. And he lets Mr. Logan know, you know, hey, we arrived. Uh, you were talking in your sleep, but I figured I'd at least let you wake up. And so Wolverine immediately gets out of the truck and tells George, you know, stay here. I've got things to do. And he runs off. He opens the gate and just runs up the trail. And of course, George, stubborn as he is, uh, follows suit. And we're taken on the next page. Wolverine is standing on the edge of a hill. And George is there right behind him. And in the background is just this giant stately manor that has been run down. Windows are broken. There's pieces of the roof missing. There's cave-ins on the side of the house where trees have fallen over due to wind and snowfall and that sort of thing. And it's a striking picture. And it's, to be honest, it's kind of odd that they would use the house as a splash page, especially for someone reading Wolverine the End that hasn't read origin they're not going to understand the meaning of this big house or maybe even recognize it uh, but it still looks pretty cool just this rundown you know haunted mansion looking thing and surprisingly there are no zombies of course wolverine comes into the house he's looking around and that weird kind of discorporal voice seems to be emanating from him again now at this point in the story we the reader don't know if this is just wolverine like whispering to himself, perhaps in his old age, to cope with something. His his healing factor has created a, a secondary personality that acts as like an external conscience to Wolverine or some sort of a guiding force, perhaps even the voice of reason. We don't know at this point, but it's not very nice to Wolverine telling him, you know, you shouldn't have come here. You're going to find answers that you don't want to have and that sort of thing. You know, this there's ghosts here, not like literal ghosts, but there are ghosts here that you don't want to unearth, that sort of thing. And as Wolverine's just walking around aimlessly in this broken down mansion, George also catches up and realizes that over the mantle in this giant ballroom or parlor, if you will, uh, over the mantle is the crest that was also on the envelope that Mr. Creed's lawyer gave to Wolverine. And it's a that point that Wolverine exits through, you know, one of the busted down houses and catches a scent. And again, he just takes off into the night with George doing his best to keep up. And the scent leads Wolverine to a gravestone. The gravestone reads, John Howlett, beloved son, lost before his time, 1885 to 1897. And on the grave is a book, a book titled Ghosts of Japan. It's a book that is well-known to Wolverine. It's a book that is out of place, a book that was placed there fresh. And George, luckily for us, the reader, George is there, and he's asking the questions that we're asking as well. Well, what does this book mean? Why are we here? And Wolverine just responds, have you ever wished for anything in your life? And George gives him the you know typical answer, I just want to be on my boat, fishing, smoking a cigar, all by myself. And Wolverine says, you know, this mansion used to belong to a family called the Howlets. All their children died except one. All the members of the family died except one. And if I've been led here, then Weapon X must be responsible to which George is like, what the heck are you talking about? What's Weapon X? And at this point, Wolverine pops his claws and he says, Weapon X, put this metal inside me. And then he starts getting kind of weird, kind of uh, conspiracy theories, looking around. He's all nervous and he's like, Weapon X, man, they're here. You know, that sort of deal. And the issue ends. The issue ends with Wolverine having more questions than answers, standing on the grave of his older brother with a book that no one but him should know about, with his claws popped, afraid that Weapon X is out there watching. Takes us into the second issue. Uh, I, it probably goes without saying, but because this is a miniseries, the entire creative team remains the same. Paul Jenkins, Claudio Castellini, Paul Mounts, Dave Sharp, and of course, Claudio Castellini 
on covers. So it'll remain the same for this and the next four issues as well. Now Wolverine has arrived in Vancouver. He is on a harbor and he is there with George. He is giving George instructions saying, I need answers. They've led me to my family's home and they've left me with these riddles. And obviously the book about Japan was a clue. So I need to go to Japan. I need to follow the scent of whoever was on that book, and I must follow that trail to Japan. In the meantime, as I head there, I need you, George, to do a couple things for me. First of all, like, you know, watch out, be careful. Um, And secondly, I'm going to need you to do a couple of things. Here's my list. So three weeks later, Wolverine has snuck aboard some sort of Japanese fishing boat. We don't know how he got there. Uh, Probably didn't take the Japanese fishing boat from Vancouver to Japan, but maybe he did. Who knows? It could be some sort of international fish market. Keeping in mind this is like 100 years in the future, so trade laws and all that sort of thing could be a lot different by then. But through some contextual conversation of some of these just various shipmates, we learned that Wolverine was found as a stowaway on this ship and has been earning his way to Japan by, you know, doing odds and ends on the boat, odd jobs, that sort of thing, gutting the fish for the food, etc. Eventually, they arrive in Tokyo. And again, this nagging voice, this voice of reason, possibly even a voice of pessimism, is there warning Logan against what he's going to find when he arrives in Tokyo. And that he does. Tokyo looks very different than the Tokyo you'd see today. The architecture is very different. It's all very modernistic. It reminds me of Coruscant from Star Wars, if you know what I'm talking about. Just a very futuristic city. The buildings all have smooth edges. It, this architecture has none of the traditional, fundamental Japanese architecture that you would expect to see. Even in the Tokyo skyline, it's just very boxy and modern looking. Eventually, Wolverine arrives in Tokyo and continues making his way to a village. And this is the village where Wolverine first found that book anyway. It's a village called Torikana in Japan. And based on the background, it looks like this is possibly a village like at the foot of Mount Fuji. So in this little town of Torikana, there is a library. And Wolverine arrives at the library, walks up to the head librarian, a woman named Tanaka, And he says, I'm here to return a book. It is the book that he found on his brother's grave, Ghosts of Japan, The Lost Rituals of Kanaguri. And as he's putting the book away, the librarian is giving him some attitude, that sort of thing. Yeah, he, Logan makes some remarks, a book in his possession, this and that. And the woman tries to give Wolverine a history lesson and saying things like, you know, understanding the lost rituals of Kanaguri is, you know, it's going to be lost on a Westerner like you. And as Wolverine's walking, he just, you know, he doesn't really heed what she's saying. And as he's walking away, he just says, I remember your great grandfather, Yoshihiro Tanaka. He said something similar to me the first time I met him. And she just looks surprised. And, you know, Wolverine gives a little smile. So we're taken back to Canada to see what George has been doing for Wolverine. One of the things that Wolverine said is, I will be sending you codes from Japan in the column of a magazine that doesn't really fit me. He said, when you get to my place, what you're going to want to do is look through all of my various magazine collections. And of all these magazines, one of them isn't me. And as this guy's going through all these magazines, we see things like custom bike and popular mechanics and that sort of thing. Just a lot of biking magazines, because we all know that Wolverine likes his motorcycles. And then eventually, George finds a magazine called Wine Lover. So obviously, Wine Lover, well, that's not something that Wolverine's into. Everyone who knows Wolverine knows that he loves beer, not wine. And I also like the fact that Wine Lover is an anagram for Wolverine. I just think that's clever. George discovers which magazine it is, and so now he knows which magazine to monitor for Wolverine's hidden message. So now that he's discovered that, we are taken back to Torikana, where Wolverine is apparently watching some lost ritual of the Kanaguri. So we see this cult, this Kanaguri 
cult, they are trying to make some sort of sacrifice to some yokai or some demon of some sort. And Wolverine crashes the party. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to let you uh, sacrifice this woman for your crazy little cult. All I want to know is like how you sent me that book. Like I was led here. I've been looking for clues. This is where they led me. So as he's like fighting these guys, this weird priest guy says, you know, well, you know, you shouldn't have come here, Gaijin. Don't you know who's in charge? Tell me what you know of Kitsunebi. Wolverine's like, well, hey, now I know his name. You know, now I know his name, sucker. Like, what does he do for Weapon X and why are they trying to bring me back here? But before the man can answer any more questions, a dart from a blowgun hits him and he's, you know, dead almost immediately. Wolverine looks up at the window that he had just busted through and sees the silhouette of someone making their escape. So Wolverine rushes outside. There are dead people. Only one, really. And then we're back in Canada. So now that George knows which magazine to follow, and that's Wine Lover, he is reading about the message. And the message says, George, sorry about the port. Good stuff in the cellar. Logan. And a code, 277-ZH4-JK4. So I like the code, you know, sorry about the port. Obviously, he means the port in Vancouver. But as a port is also a wine, it makes sense that it would be in a magazine called Wine Lover. And of course, Wolverine, good stuff in the cellar. And then a little combination. So what Wolverine means here is in the cellar of his shack, there is some sort of a lock that needs that combination. But of course, if you're just reading a Wine Lover magazine, you just imagine that that means the good stuff is in the wine cellar. So actually pretty great. So George goes back to Wolverine's house. There is, in the cellar of the house, if you will, there is a chest, like a treasure chest, like a pirate's friggin' treasure chest in here with a mechanical lock. And the mechanical lock is tied to the computer. So George fires up the computer and it immediately asks for a password. So George enters the password from the magazine. It first opens up a little email, says, George, if you're reading this, then you know where I am. I need you to send me some stuff out of the old steamer trunk at the foot of the wall. Instructions below. When you've filled out the list, the rest is yours. Consider it a tip. So the chest opens, and inside is just a pile of money. It's like $50 bills. I don't think... Is it $50 bills in Canada? Anyway, it's Canadian currency, and it's just full of it. So the story now gives us some exposition by way of the book that Wolverine himself was reading, The Lost Ghosts of Japan, but ultimately it's instructions pretty much of how to find Kitsunebi, and so Wolverine follows these instructions and it takes him to Hiragana-san Mountain, which is just beyond Torikana. So the big giant snow-covered mountain in the background was not Mount Fuji, but Hiragana-san. So Wolverine climbs to the top of the mountain, and as soon as he gets up there, he is attacked by this weird, wispy, wind creature, snow creature mix. It seems like a mystical Wendigo. And, you know, Wolverine's like, why are you doing this to me? Why did you bring me here? Why are you playing these games? Like, you're the one that invited me. Stop fighting me. What are you doing? But this snowy, windy, white beast thing just just like just takes Wolverine out. It's cutting him here, it's cutting him there, it's knocking him in the face. And Wolverine is completely bested. He is knocked back into this wall and he's left. And so as Wolverine is like slowly passing out, this this snowy beast pulls himself together and kind of becomes a little bit more defined. And he says, I want you to know I could have killed you at any time, old man, any time in the last 200 years. I want you to remember that. And then it disappears into the snow. And then Wolverine just says, after the beast has already left, I don't understand. Why didn't you? And that's how issue two ends. So issue three, we're finally going to start getting some answers here. Wolverine, the, st the story starts with 
like a recap, pretty much. Wolverine has come to, and he's walking on this mountain in just a blinding blizzard. He loses some footing, and he falls down the mountain and pretty much passes out. In his passed out state, he has dreams of Weapon X and dreams of the Howlet estate and even a picture of this little baby being held by a woman and a man who are very finely dressed on these very ornate chairs in front of these wonderful curtains and then a red-headed beautiful woman as a specter kind of appears and it looks like Rose from the Origin series and Wolverine kind of unconscious you know in between conscious and unconscious just manages to stammer out like who are you and this weird beautiful woman specter just says james you've been searching for me don't be afraid and then we see these this search and rescue team very futuristically clad they're on these very futuristic like jet powered snowmobile type things and they rescue wolverine and they take him back to the top of the mountain where there's this fortress with armed guards and scientists and all kinds of things and they take him in there and he begins to have flashbacks again of weapon x and we get just a little glimpse back into barry windsor smith's weapon x eventually wolverine seems to awaken from this dream and he finds himself fully dressed but in a very strange kind of hospital room he's like hooked up to an iv and there's just this bald monk standing in the door waiting for wolverine to come to and as soon as wolverine awakes and sees the monk the monk begins to walk away and so wolverine follows the monk he follows him through this corridor that's again super futuristic there's all these scientists in these really futuristic chairs but they're still wearing lab coats and they're monitoring the nasdaq and various other stocks and things throughout the world. In the meantime, Wolverine is still following this monk. And Wolverine's like, hey, hold it. Before you open those doors, bub, like, I need answers. Who am I? Who are you? What is this place? And the monk just says, Logan-san, you are our guest. And all of your questions will be revealed. You know, just come through these doors. My master awaits. And so Wolverine enters this room. It is a very ornate room. There's lots of decadent decorations that appear to span centuries of Asian history, most likely J Japanese history since they're in Japan. And there's a man wearing like a ceremonial kimono, if you will. He's holding two samurai swords. He's staring into this large fire of which on the other side is this, this gigantic painting of like Howlett Manor. And Wolverine enters the room. And as soon as the door closes, the other man opens his eyes and says, hello, James. You can't imagine how long I've waited to make your acquaintance. And Wolverine just says, you know, I ain't James, I'm Logan. Get used to it, that sort of thing. And for a split second, the men just stare each other down. And the other old man throws one of the swords to Wolverine, bows to him while brandishing his own sword, and just says, as you wish. Wolverine tosses the sword away and pops his claws instead. And the man drops his sword in response and is choosing to fight Wolverine, I guess, without his sword. And Wolverine jumps to conclusions, and he kind of tells him, you know, like, you're, you're a Nazi, you're a bad guy, why are you bringing me here, this sort of thing, you're a weasel. And this man just says, you know, all, in, all, in due time, James, I will give you the answers, but I needed you to come to me and to earn your way here first so that you would be willing to hear what it is I have to say once you hear what I'm going to tell you, your perspective may change. And Wolverine's like, you know, like, fat chance. And they begin their battle, Wolverine with his claws in, you know, full combat, trying to kill mode, and this other man just besting Wolverine in every way until eventually Wolverine manages to get the upper hand. He is able to lure this man in a little closely, and Wolverine just, like, cuts his side, just cuts him open. Dude's bleeding all over the place, and then... You know, he is angry and he says, you know, that was not wise, James. And so this man suddenly fades into this weird, whitish, snowy looking wind kind of windswept specter. So we're assuming then that this guy is like the specter from the mountain at the end of the last issue. And he begins to do 
to Wolverine here, what he did to Wolverine on the mountain. And at one point, this specter creature thing appears behind Wolverine with his hands going to like grab Wolverine's head. And this guy also has three claws protruding from each hand, just like Wolverine. And he grabs Wolverine by the neck and just smashes him over and over and over into this column until eventually he tosses Wolverine across the room and Wolverine looks beaten. And the man walks up to him and says, like, you know, I should kill you, but I'm not going to. You know, Wolverine's like, why not? And he's like, you have to see. You have to know what's going on. I wanted you here. I don't want to kill you. And then Wolverine's like, well, I don't get it. Why don't you want to kill me? And the man says, because you're my little brother. And he embraces Wolverine and the third issue ends. So this man tells Wolverine that he is Wolverine's older brother. So issue four picks up right where number three leaves off. The brothers in an embrace, you know, this man telling Wolverine that Wolverine is his little brother and they hug and Wolverine thinking in his mind, like, I want to hate this guy if what he's telling me is true, but I can't, like, I can't hate this man. If this guy really is my brother, I, I can't hate him for all the things that he's done. So the man then is like, now that you're here, you know, it's worse for you. Our healing factors are a little different. Your healing factor to protect your sanity has made you forget so many things, but I remember all of it, and I can show you all of those those memories. And he does this, just that. He takes Wolverine on a trip down memory lane. The first thing he does is he hands Wolverine a picture of Wolverine as a baby being held by his mother, or at least that's what we assume. And Wolverine seems to recognize that as well. You know, and he just says, I'm like you, James. I know who you are. I know what you are. And let me, I have a few more things to show you. First off, follow me. And he leads him into another room. And in this room is another one of those Weapon X chambers that has the adamantium. You know, Wolverine's like, why did you, why did you lead me in here? Why did you bring me here? And this man who claims to be Wolverine's brother says, you know, you were Weapon X, but I was the first one they experimented on. They experimented on me too. And once I kind of wisened up to what it is they were doing, I left the program. I should have destroyed it, but I didn't. And eventually they did to you what they did to me. And, you know, Wolverine, again, a couple of flashbacks to Weapon X days, and he loses it. He pops his claws and he just destroys, he just destroys this machine. And the man just puts his hand calmly on Wolverine's shoulder and just says, hush now, James. It was over decades ago. And the man, you know, the Wolverine says, how do you know all this about me? And the, the man says, you know, you, you died the minute they, they, you died the minute you came out of this machine. You know, this machine, what they did to you is so horrific. Your healing factor took your memories of it from you. And you died that day. You were never, ever again, James. But I died, he says, I died the day I was born. And so he continues on and he tells the story, you know, I was the son of, you know, John Howlett and his wife, and we were a rich, well-to-do family. I remember when they built our mansion. I remember when you were born and something changed when you were born. You know, mother was depressed and sad and she would never let me around you and she wouldn't really let other people around you either. And so I had to get to know you as a baby in secret and I had to follow mother around until you were alone so that I can get to know you. He said, but I knew at that point that I was different than everyone else. And I knew that you were different too. I knew that you were like me. And so one day I followed mother onto the property and she left you in your carriage under this tree. And as I went to spend time with you, that's when I saw that mother was, she, what does he say? He said that mother had given her fancy to someone else. At this point, we learned that, you know, this is John Howlett and he confronted his mother about kissing the gardener, about kissing, if you remember, his name was Thomas Logan. Uh, so he 
confronts the mother, and in this confrontation, his mutant powers manifest. He pops his own claws, and he cuts the mother, as we know from the origin miniseries that Wolverine's older brother, John Howlett, died in 1897, and the mother was cut. She had scars on like the side of her ribs from where she was slashed. And he tells Wolver- he continues to tell Wolverine, when it happened, you know, your mother passed out. There were a few people there. Father was there. And of course, grandfather was there as well. And grandfather told our father, no one must know of this. He must appear dead to the world, but I will take him. I will get him medical care and I will look after him. And we learned that the old man took John and put him into a sanitarium or a sanatorium, sanitarium. So he put him in a lunatic asylum. Again, this is, you know, 1897. Also at this point, we can assume John is supposed to have died when he was 1890 in, in 1897, when he was 12 years old. But at this point, Wolverine is as a baby. James Howlett is still in diapers. He's still being pushed around in a carriage. In my estimation as a father, I would say this baby is no older than six months old, so it's safe to say at this point that Wolverine was born in either 1898 or 1897. Now again, this is, you know, like Marvel headcanon, it's not necessarily canonical, but it lines up with what was told in Origin, and Origin is canonical, so I'm assuming then that uh, canonically Wolverine, born in 1896 or 1897. So John is taken and he's just left in this asylum and eventually those in the asylum grow and die, new people come in, and eventually John is kind of left just to himself. He's in this in this solitary confinement sort of room. It says subject unknown. No one remembers who he is. No one knows what his name is. And he says to Wolverine, eventually he was found by the government. These government spies or uh, just government agents came and they took him from this sanitarium and they began to experiment on him and they learned that his powers evolved. So we see, you know, like not only does he have claws and a healing factor, but he has this weird like spectral form where he's, he can, it's like he can phase through stuff, but it's like this discorporeal form but it still keeps like his human form so it it just kind of looks like a ghost some sort of like a specter and this is when he tells logan you know he learned that weapon x was not as altruistic as he was originally led to believe and he left they couldn't stop him because he had these this ability to phase and he left the program and then he says you know i would have killed everyone there had I known what was going to happen I would have killed you I would have killed everyone in your family even I just I would have killed everybody you know and this is when John reveals to Wolverine like they had met several times but Wolverine can't remember any of it and then he goes on to tell Wolverine like pretty much since Weapon X got you everyone has lied to you Weapon X has lied to you Professor Xavier has lied to you you know Professor Xavier knew the whole time that I was alive and that I was trying to find you and Xavier kept you away from me then he tells Wolverine you know now that you know all this you can you can lose your shackles you can become who it is that you were meant to be and you can join me in my plans and so Wolverine's like well what plans and so John's like well let me let me show you uh, and he takes Wolverine outside. And so Wolverine is is kind of outside, like in front of this Buddha statue thing, just sitting there. And he's talking to this weird voice again. And suddenly this little voice thing like comes out of Wolverine's mouth and manifests itself as like the spirit of Charles Xavier. And he's kind of like a force ghost. So we learned that Charles Xavier died a long time ago, but a piece of him has like lived on in Wolverine and apparently has been, you know, just harping on Wolverine. So again, we get those, uh, kind of that Logan connection of, you know, Wolverine and Xavier together, you know, in it to the end where, uh, Wolverine just wants to live out the remainder of his life in peace and Xavier disappointed in him and that sort of thing. And so Xavier tries to explain to him like, 
you know, it, it wasn't that simple. We needed you for the cause. You were a good man deep down inside. I kept your brother away from you because he just wanted to exploit you the way Weapon X would have and all this. Wolverine just pretty much says like, you know what? Like, get lost. I don't need you. I don't need you anymore. I'm not going to take you back inside of me or whatever. Um, and so it seems that Xavier just kind of melts away. And at that point, John approaches him and he's like, you know, I heard you talking. Who are you talking to? And Wolverine just says, yeah, I was talking to myself. And so John is just like, well, you know, I'm sorry that you had to, I'm sorry that you had to learn about this, but you know, you can, you can get yourself back. I can help you become the whole you. I just need to know if you're going to join me. And Wolverine's like, yeah, I, I've, I've made my decision. And John's like, oh, great. That's wonderful. And Wolverine kind of comes around behind him and like pushes him off the cliff. And as he's falling, he's like, James. And then James is like, I'm not James. I'm Logan. And that's how the fourth issue ends. And it's like, whoa, that was a left turn. That is not what I expected. So the fifth issue begins with the Japanese authorities investigating the possible death of John Howlett, Wolverine's brother, after Wolverine pushes him like over the cliff. And we also see the X-Men of the future kind of helping out with the investigation, knowing that Wolverine is involved. Uh, so we see a couple of like futuristic X-Men, uh, no one who we'd recognize. It's not like it's the X-Men from like X-Men 2099 or anything like that. Uh, just a couple of new characters. And at this point, they decide that they're taking Wolverine back to the U.S. to uh, continue this investigation. We kind of learned that the X-Men at this point, you know, another hundred or so years into the future, maybe a little bit more, uh, we learn that the X-Men are somewhat of like a security force. So almost kind of reminiscent of like the XSE, the Xavier, uh, Xavier Security Enforcers, which is the uh, like mutant Xavier police, if you will, from like the original Bishop's original timeline. So that's kind of cool. Like we're kind of seeing the, the precursors to the XSE. So as they get Wolverine back in the U.S., they are taking him through, you know, just a regular commercial airport, John F. Kennedy Airport. Wolverine's like, hey, you know, before we head off to wherever it is we're going, it looks like we're going to the academy. Uh, before we head there, do you mind if I just, you know, pop in the bathroom real quick, you know, nature calls, that sort of thing. And Wolverine goes into the bathroom and he's using the urinal and an old man walks up, starts using the urinal next to him and just like, man, you got nerves of steel. And we see that the old man is George. So he hands Wolverine a bag of some supplies and he puts on some clothes, kind of like a disguise and leaves the bathroom. And the X-Men of the time notice that, uh, you know, Wolverine's been in the bathroom for a while. So they break in, they realize that only one stall is occupied. They kick it in, expecting it to be Wolverine. And it's just George sitting on the can, reading a magazine. So Wolverine has hopped on his own flight. He is heading not to the Xavier Academy, but to Las Vegas, because he has managed to find out that uh, Kitsunabe, or his brother John, if you will, um, has some holdings in Las Vegas as well. So Wolverine makes it to Las Vegas. He kind of follows his brother's scent all the way to this bar and he has this just really fun bar brawl that, you know, takes up, gosh, I don't know, seven or eight, uh, seven or eight pages until Wolverine is finally able to get them to tell him where John Howlett is. And he's at a place called the Medieval. And it's a place next to the old Bellagio. So Wolverine's like, great, tell him I'll be over. And Wolverine heads off to the Medieval. And we see here... John now no longer in his, you know, traditional Japanese clothes, but in the suit of an American businessman. And he just tells his compatriots here, like, yes, I know that this brother of mine is on his way, but, you know, he pushed me off the cliff. So now I'm, I'm not playing with him anymore. This will be a fight to the death. He tried to kill me once. Now I'm going to have to kill him. But we want him to come to us. We're not going to go to him. So just be prepared. 
In the meantime, as we have John telling his security team to be prepared, we see Wolverine also preparing. He puts on his own version of like this new X-Men suit, and it ends. Uh, issue 5 ends with Wolverine outside of the medieval, ready to begin his assault, or his siege, if, if you will. And so the sixth issue uh, is pretty straightforward. Wolverine enters through the front gate. He's pretending like he doesn't know that he's on camera, even though he is on camera. Knowing that he's on camera, he kind of sets this decoy into this weird tram that goes like all the way up to the penthouse where he knows his brother is going to be, and then he retreats back. And so uh, naturally, John sends out his you know security team first. The security team goes to intercept. Uh, once they've intercepted, then John himself even comes to confront his brother when he realizes that they've been duped and it was a decoy. And so now that uh, the security teams are all scrambling throughout this hotel casino, Wolverine is able to pick them off and fight his way through them until he ends up fighting John. And John reveals his plan, you know, he's like, this is what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to blow up Las Vegas and it is going to collapse the American economy. And as soon as it does, we're going to come in and we're going to take over, you know, and we're going to run the financial aspects of the U.S. from here on out. And Wolverine's like, dude, seriously? Like, your whole plan was about money? And Wolverine's like, yeah, really? You know, we get this uh, vicious fight here between the brothers. We get John kind of going in between his weird spectral form. We've got Wolverine fighting him to, you know, prevent John from blowing up Las Vegas. And eventually it comes to a head. I'm not going to go on and on about their various philosophical and moral arguments, uh, but they talk about the plan, they talk about the past and the future and what legacy means and what family means and that sort of thing. Uh, and eventually Wolverine is able to fight John like man-to-man. He gets John to compromise his weird spectral form somehow wolverine realizes that it's possibly like weak to electricity so he kind of lures john in by pretending to be weak and 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 ready to be delivered the, the final blow so john in his weird like spectral form comes over and he goes to strike wolverine who moves at the last minute and he ends up john ends up stabbing like a transformer and just the electric shock uh like makes him turn i don't know corporeal again and he realizes that not only was it a transformer but it was like the electric conduit that was holding this platform that they're on which is actually the top of that tram uh and so by doing that it it severed the tram as well so not only did it like shock him back into his like corporeal form here but it also severed the tram and the two brothers go tumbling off and they fall they fall a long way down. Uh, they're at the top of this building. Think of the giant casinos in Las Vegas that are 20, 30 stories tall. If that, you know, sometimes maybe more. I'm not sure. I think when I went, I was on like the 35th floor of one of the hotels that I was staying at. So, I mean, some of these some of these Vegas casinos are pretty tall. And they pretty much fall from like the penthouse of one of them all the way down to the ground below. And when they land, John actually lands impaled on Logan's claws. And that's enough. You know, that's enough to overload his healing factor. And he just says, you know, as he's done, he realizes that he's lost and that he's dying. And he says, you know, I'm glad it happened this way. But I want you to know that I do wish it had been different. I wish I had more time to tell you about Rose. And Wolverine's like, no. And John collapses and just says his last words, which is, I was always so proud of you, little brother, Logan. And, you know, Wolverine is just here cradling the the dead body of his older brother. And, you know, this like war plane, this this military looking helicopter appears in the distance and is just kind of like in a holding pattern shining its light down onto Wolverine as, as he cradles his, his brother's body and it ends. So 
for the series, like a super abrupt ending to the series. Um, it's not necessarily the end of Wolverine, but at this point we can just assume that it's canonically slash non-canonically the final Wolverine story. There's no more other Wolverine stories that take place when he is that old of a man. I like the series. Um, I'm glad that it's not necessarily canon anymore. A couple of the things that John says to Logan about the past and about Logan have been changed and not necessarily retconned, but have actually had those gaps filled in. You know, at this point in canon, Wolverine didn't have any of his memories and that factors into this story. But we all know that in the aftermath of M-Day, Wolverine does wake up and he does in fact have all of his memories. And so Obviously, at this point, you know, Wolverine, the end is is not canon, as things have happened within canon that contradict quite a bit of this. Uh, but still a fun story uh, as a, a spiritual successor or a pseudo sequel to Origin. Uh, love the artwork from Claudio Castellini. Like I said, he's not someone I had heard of going into the series, and it's not a name that I think I've ever heard since. So I don't know if he went the indie way or went to a different publisher or just doesn't draw comics anymore. Uh, but I love, I love the artwork. It was very, um, mix between like Brian Hitch and Alan Davis and then someone like a Mark Silvestri. So, uh, good action. Love the action sequences. And a lot of these, you know, I, there was fights that were five, six, seven pages long where I just kind of said they fight for like five pages. Uh, so it doesn't really quite do it justice. This series is on Marvel Unlimited for those of you that have it. So go check it out. Uh, just a fun series. And I liked that it attempted to answer some questions, even if what we get canonically is a little different than what we have in this series. But definitely worth checking out. Uh, again, the ending is a little abrupt, but uh, the series itself was a fun read. Bubs, if you like the show and want to see it continue to grow, there are a couple of things that you can do. First and foremost, tell a friend. If you like the show, chances are you're a Wolverine fan. And if you like Wolverine, you probably know someone else who does too. So let them know if they aren't already to listen to the show. Uh, Word of mouth is the best way to advertise, especially for podcasts and things in our little nerd world. So if you can do that, that would be awesome. If you want to do a little bit more, you can rate or review the show on whatever podcast app you use to listen that allows you to do so. Uh, Some of them allow comments and followings. Other ones allow just a rating through like a star system and other ones allow reviews. So whatever you can do to help boost my signal, I greatly appreciate it. If you want to go even further above and beyond, If you want to go to infinity and beyond, I'm kidding, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash talkinsnicked and donate some hard-earned cash. It's more of a monthly pledge or a monthly contribution, and not only does it make sure that the show will continue to grow as it has, uh, but it also allows you to join a fun community and gather some fun little rewards. Um, If all of that is too much for you, the very least you can do is reach out on Twitter at TalkinSnicked or send me an email, TalkSnicked at gmail.com. Bubs, if you like the music, make sure you check out Retcon X, the very talented musician who created my little pieces of music. And stay tuned to the end of this podcast to hear the exclusive track Back from the Dead, also by Retcon X, inspired by everyone's favorite clod, Knucklehead, Wolverine. I have links to his Spotify playlist and website in the show notes as well. Bubs, tune in next week as we continue the November theme of Senior Citizen Wolverine as I cover the story from all new Wolverine 33 through, I think, 35 called Old Woman Laura. Until next time, Bubs.